0: Well, this is going to be one of those sermons that really um, is simply a watered down version of the children's time. Thank you so much to Kathy for the leading worship and for Ben for that children's time. Um, It was was really moving um, and I think encapsulated the most important part of why we are here, why we go through the trouble of gathering through, it feels like you were trying to drink an ocean through a straw, trying to feel the presence of each other in this community through this, uh, through this internet connection. Today, I want to talk about the resurrection message, about what the resurrection means. Not just the details of what happened. For those details, go to the Gospels. You'll see that although they disagree on some things, they are remarkably consistent on others. But what they are most consistent on is this core of what the resurrection means, what Paul called in our reading the realities of heaven. The reading that we got from John this morning was full of implications that what occurred was not really grasped right away. We get this odd scene where Peter and the unnamed other disciple, who's presumably John, are kind of stumbling over each other as they check out the empty tomb with this back and forth about like, who ran to the tomb first and then who went inside first and they're all baffled by the folded funeral clause. They They seem to have no idea what to make of it. Beside all their bumbling energy, then, There's the stillness of Mary's palpable grief. They rush in, rush about, rush home, and it says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. She sees some people who ask her why she's crying, and she simply says, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Her leader, her teacher, her friend, is dead her hope is lost she's at the bottom of despair with one foot literally in the grave as she stoops down to look inside the stupid sinful blind cruelty of the world of people who never understood jesus has won and her beautiful friend is gone This is where we dwelt at Good Friday this week. This is where we dwell in many hard moments when we confront the hard realities of Earth. We may see signs of the resurrection, a a rolled stone, a folded cloth, but they don't register. The message can't get through because we just can't feel it. And then Mary's world is turned upside down her heart utterly restored, her worldview opened wide by the uttering of a single word spoken in the voice of the one she thought she had lost, a name, her name, Mary. There it is, friends. There's the moment the resurrection is revealed in the Gospel of John, at least. There's the first of Jesus' followers to allow the message to sink in, to have their hearts dragged out from the depths of despair and lifted free of the threat of death. If you had to encapsulate the gospel in a single word, you could do a lot worse than that one. It's hearing that word, her own name, that sends Mary of Magdala out to the other disciples, the first apostle out into the world, defying all the dangerous people that had killed Jesus in the first place, defying a whole planet that thought God's child could be snuffed out and forgotten, proclaiming the good news, the best news, I have seen the Lord. Today is the third day and the stone is rolled away. All the signs of Christ's arrival and revival are around us. And we do take stock. People find hope in all sorts of different things, place their hope in what you could think of as different kinds of immortality. The joy of having children, of writing a book that that spreads an idea across the world, of singing a song that will reverberate and echo in people's memories, of raising a crop that will feed a new generation. Uh, We have old language for these good things, for these pre-sages, these images of the resurrection. Uh, People used to talk about, you know, stars in my crown, chambers in my mansion. These, These good things that, like the rolled stone and the folded cloth, remind us of new life created, immortality within our grasp. These different kinds of new life are not competing but all of them form a sort of tally of the goodness of the world, the goodness that we hope see blossoming in our own lives, clues to the resurrection. And as we take stock of those things, it is also good for us, like Mary, to mourn, to note where resurrection is lacking, where it is still needed, those empty sockets in our crown that are very much in need of a star. Easter does not invalidate the Lenten frame of mind, the difficult hard road that has brought us here. For today's ritual of response after the sermon, you will be asked to uh, note down a place where you want to see God's power brought to bear, bringing love and life out of loss and death. Take a scrap of paper and write down something that has died in your life, a relationship or a place of conflict where you see a need for resurrection, where you could really use that life-giving power. It is good for us to take stock. But be careful because both these resurrection signs, these good things, these stars in our crown, and these places where we need yet to see God's goodness, are not ultimately, either of them, the foundation of our hope. We don't dare mistake the stars for the crown or the rooms for the mansion. Our hope is not founded on either our blessings or our needs. The one gives us signs leads us on the other shows our vulnerability but like the disciples like mary we can have all the signs before us and have our hearts purely open truly broken and contrite and yet still not have heard the message still not have caught the meaning of the resurrection for that we need the presence of christ Jesus' presence over and above and within all of these good things, all of these wounded areas. And our joy comes by participating in that good presence, in recognizing its scope and its power. That's what matters, and that's what gives us a uniquely death-defying attitude. Where, O death, is your sting, reads the uh, words from Paul in Colossians, an indomitable hope that once again has us struggling through a glitchy online worship service together. That drives us towards one another, towards all of those good things. That ties together our suffering and our joy into one great truth. This resurrection hope, this this confidence, this loyalty is not a license to be dumb i'm not preaching this morning trying to put the cross back in extreme sports or advocating that we flaunt quarantine because we are fearless of death it is instead an invitation into radical hope hope in a future that's better than we can predict a resurrection life beyond even the finest gems of having children or writing books singing songs that I think are worth putting in my crown, goodness that will transcend even the things I think are good, wholeness that will heal all and be more deeper wounds than the wounds I think I bear. Hold in your mind that resurrection hope. I struggle with how best to, to communicate it to myself, to experience it this week. And so I invite you all to close your eyes as we attempt to evoke that moment when the gospel was revealed to Mary and then to the world. I invite you to imagine a lost loved one, or if none come to mind, imagine Jesus of Nazareth himself, at first to your eyes looking like a regular gardener, The human memory is a fuzzy and imprecise thing, so don't worry if you can't conjure a perfect picture of this person. But try to imagine your loved one that you have lost at their best, as you most fondly recall them. Not just their best looking, but at their most understanding. Imagine them filled with the Spirit of Christ, as they must have been at some point when you formed a fond memory of them, when they were kind when they were attentive. This ambassador for Christ can see all of you, your grief, your loss, your heart in chaos. And I want you to imagine, finally, that they say just a single word, your name. I invite you to say your name aloud to yourself. And hearing it, to recognize their voice, to hear again that that sound that you haven't heard perhaps for years, and in an instant to know the truth that love is stronger than death, that the grave has not won but has been defeated decisively by the very logic of God come to us in human flesh, that the Lord is risen indeed, And in the face of that, that reality, we can defy every threat of violence, every fear of loss. That area of need that you noted down during our ritual response, it cannot overwhelm you. Once you hear that voice say your name, Jesus speaking with your vocal cords, brought to you by the memory of one who lived true, For that moment, to Christ's spirit, God's word dwelling among us, once you hear that voice say your name, then you will, I think, understand the resurrection. Let its power fill you with a fierce, defiant joy, not because we have ignored or avoided the darkness, the hard things in life, but because our Lord is alive, our love is alive, despite it all.